This is Biz, and if hosting One Bad Mother for over 10 years has taught me anything, it's that parenting is hard and nobody gives a shit. So belly up to the low bar, where fine is good enough and you'll never feel alone. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, life on the farm is mighty laid back, or is it? We talk to Katie and Arlene, hosts of Barnyard Language, a podcast about running farms and raising families. Welcome, Katie and Arlene. It is so nice to have you here. And I have gotten a chance to hang out with you over on uh, Barnyard Language, which was a lot of fun. So I'm going to start with a very traditional One Bad Mother question. I'm going to start, Katie, I'm going to start with you. Who lives in your house and or accompanying facilities? near your house we say that we have a compound um so my husband and i farm in far northeast iowa there are two adults two children who are almost seven and almost six yeah um five cats oh yeah two dogs and a guinea pig in the house Mm. and also a a tiger salamander in the basement i feel like we should count her yeah outside you might be able to hear there's about 15 chickens and yes arlene as usual i'm looking out the window like i might be able to count them from here (laughs) um we have i think 16 cow calf pairs so we raise beef cattle um from birth to to finish and we have right now about 35 katahdin hair sheep ewes so we also raise uh sheep for meat i work full-time my husband works full-time um do the podcast we do the farming. My in-laws live in the uh, quote-unquote compound. They live across <laughs> the road from us. Um, and that's about it, I guess. Okay. I just want to be... That's just That's all. Things. That's nothing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Are there ducks, too? Aren't there I ducks? ducks? Oh, and yeah, there's like seven or eight ducks. Yes! Uh, the ducks! Ducks, ducks are really yeah. one to be more free-range than other creatures i feel uh on a farm but question when you say katie that you work full-time i want to be really clear that that means uh raising children parenting which is full-time yes farming full-time and podcasting full-time so it's not like you're also an accountant somewhere I just want to be really oh res- no no <laughs> I, I i have a 40 hours a week pays the actual bills job which allows me to do the farming the children and the podcast oh my yeah. god no I, I have a quote-unquote real job because everyone knows parenting and farming are not real jobs podcasting yeah. sure as shit is not a real job yeah <laughs> um obviously but, yes well uh congratulations you live uh in a zoo like people say you live in a zoo to like people with kids in their houses at times. And I'm just like, wow, no, that doesn't even come close to the epic life you are living in Iowa right now. I feel like, you know, we know so many farm families who yeah. have like eight or 12 kids, yeah. which is like, we only have two, like that's nothing. You know, right. we, we live in the house that my husband's great grandparents built. They had 12 kids, you know, it's yeah, two is <laughs> A walk in the park. We so got we- more chickens than kids in, in this yeah. place. Okay. You have more cats cool. than kids. More cats. 
That is I have fair. as many dogs as I have children. That's really not, it's not that many children. Can you name all the cats and dogs? Yes. All right. You want me to do it? Now? Of course I do. <laughs> Go ahead. We have a nine-year-old lab red healer cross named Oli. We have a almost two-year-old Australian shepherd named Bailey, who is a monster. Uh, we have one cat named Strawberry who was named by a friend because he, and I quote, looks just like her childhood cat, except that her cat was orange and had stripes and our cat is gray and white and does not have stripes. So apparently she meant they're both cats. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, we, have, we have an orange tom cat named Chad. We have an orange tom cat named Yellow Kitty because children. Mm -hmm. um, we have a huge furball named Stuart, who is the bedtime cat. And we have one cat named Dips who was hand-raised at my children's daycare and came to live with us and I think is psychologically damaged in some really vital way. <laughs> I So far, Chad is the winning name for a cat. I mean, I liked all the names, but I do like Chad. Chad. He's just such a Chad. Chad? He just is. He's a Chad. Yeah. I mean... This cat ate a whole box of rat poison last year, like a whole block of rat poison, enough to kill, like, I don't know, probably 100 rats or something stupid, uh -huh. and survived it. Like, yeah. no problem. Are you sure that it's Dipsy that's the one that's psychologically damaged and not... Chad is very Chad's Chad. not even really a cat. Like, okay, fair. That's I, fair. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The lovely Arlene. Who lives in your... House and on-site facilities. <laughs> Got it. So in the house is changing these days. So I continue to live with my husband and we have four children. So they are 17, uh, daughter, 15, 12, and eight-year-old sons. Oof. And a 17-year-old just started university this fall. So she's at that in and out stage where I get texts all day and all night. Um, but she doesn't currently sleep here most of the time. Um, but she's back and forth because she needs to see the dog and her cows. Um, we have a dog. Yeah. We have two cats. And we recently had a loss in the family. We lost our bunny. So we oh. had a giant meat rabbit who came as a 4-H project and stuck around. And so our giant bunny recently passed on. So we no longer have more the same number of pets and kids. Although I guess when my daughter moved out, it evened out yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. So three pets, three kids in the house, one at university. And then in the barn, we milk 80 cows and then raise all of the animals that will grow up to be milking cows. So about 180 animals in total. So mostly Holsteins, which are the black and white ones. And then a couple of jerseys, which are the adorable brown ones that, like Katie said earlier, because kids... Because sometimes when you have a teenager who's crazy about cows, um, her dad then thinks that uh, buying one or two of the ones that she likes is a good way to uh, huh. to uh, support her habit. And it's cheaper <laughs> than a car or a boyfriend. So we've got uh, a couple of brown cows. We used to have some sheep, but not anymore. And a bunch of barn cats. I don't know all of their names. And depending yeah, who's in the okay. barn, different people have different names for them, too. So oh, yeah. one cat will reference a cat, and then one of our employees will reference a cat, and they will be completely different things. They all have similar heritage, <laughs> <There's> <laughs> variations of, of tabby and orange tabby, and they're all related, but they, uh, they wander around looking for attention and milk, depending on the time of day. So, okay. First of all, congratulations. You got one 
out of the house temp- a, a little, a leg yeah, out. Some, we got some one, of the time. Yeah. One yeah. toe out. Graduated one high toe school. In. Yeah. And got into university and is attending university. Those are all, all things. Do you think, here's a question for you, uh, Arlene, when you've got four of them, and I'm going to, so I'm using you as the example because there's four. Um, and we were talking a couple of weeks ago to uh, guest Kevin Marr, who only has two, and the first one just went to college. And they're really feeling the like, the missing and the like, oh, I should really overdo on my second kid <laughs> who's a teenager and wants nothing to do with me. So with four, when the first one goes and there's four, are you like, do you know? <laughs> Do you notice it? That's a weird question. But do you well, notice it? Yeah. Yeah. The thing with farm life and this particular kid is she is very into the farm. She's actually going to study agriculture at university. She's doing a Bachelor of Science in Agriculture. So while I notice her gone in the house, we probably notice her gone in the barn more because oh. she has worked for us and with us for a long time. And so when a teenager leaves your house and is also your coworker, that's also part of your workforce. So, I mean, I also miss my daughter, right? You know, like she's she's also yes, my yes. friend. She's the only other girl in the house and we have a really good relationship. So I absolutely miss her as a person, but it's also a different dynamic because now yeah. it's other people taking on the tasks that, that she used to do. And uh, so, yeah, that changes things too. Now, a lot of people have asked if her brothers missed her and I have to try and diplomatically say, well, she's the oldest and she's a bit bossy and that's a nice way, <laughs> nice way of putting it so i think in a lot of ways they're kind of okay with her not being in the house except some of those tasks that she right. used to do now they have to do so it just depends on the day whether it's like uh now i have to do her chores or <laughs> she's not here to tell me <laughs> when i have to do her chores all right you guys have been you've been doing the podcast for a while on your language and uh I, I want to start, I have, I have so many questions. Uh, I want to start though with the question of what do people get wrong or misunderstand or wrongly assume about uh, farmers in, in general? And it just, and this is a big generality that I'm looking at here, but you know, for those of us who do not grow up on a farm or have farmers in our immediate family, yeah, the closest we get is, you know, kids' books, right? Where clearly at some point it was very important to teach children the name of these specific animals, even though my child may never see one. Yeah, that and what they nut. say. <laughs> yeah, they say quack. Uh, yeah, so uh let me start uh katie or arlene i don't know if either one of you kind of want to tackle this you both can um katie do you want to take this on first i think one of the biggest things is that kids books they're getting better but they still show a lot of like old white dude overalls straw narrow front tractor looks like my father-in-law to be honest and there's this real sense that farming is what i mean a i think a lot of people are pretty sure it's not like an actual thing you know <laughs> sure. like i believe in it the same way i believe like i feel about stockbrokers the way i feel like right. city people feel about farmers like i've heard it's a thing but 
I don't have the faintest idea what they actually do. Right. I even have stocks. I don't know what they do. Like you eat every day. <laughs> How many of you know what we do? Like, fine. You know, separation right. of responsibility, whatever. But it's, I think there's still an unfair sense that farming is what you do if you're too stupid to do anything that pays better. Um, And, you know, especially with... With smaller farms, you have people who are doing the most insane level of management and marketing direct to customers and this focus, because you have to when you're, you know, on that scale. And when you're talking about bigger farms, you're talking about folks running multi-million dollar businesses with satellites in their tractors, using technology to use fewer chemicals, to use fewer vaccinations on animals, to, you know, to really streamline their operation. And it's the amount of technology that's being used and how much that improves efficiency for farmers and environmental safety. Um, And I think there is an unfair assumption that farmers are just out there like throwing chemicals around. I mean, we use very few chemicals on our farm. We use a lot of cover crops. We use a lot of environmental things, but we do still spray for pests because otherwise our crop literally disappears. And right. We can't do that. But I think there's sort of this mental image that farmers are out there with, you know, chemicals in both hands, just like <laughs> rowing them, tra-la, tra-la, chemicals, chemicals. Right. And, I mean, A, my family lives on this land. I don't want that shit right. in my well. And B, it's expensive. Yeah. Like, there's no farmers that have that kind of money that they're just like, la, la, throw it out, <laughs> throw it out. You know, like, nobody's making that kind of money. So it's not happening. Farmers in Canada are perfect. So, well, <laughs> <you know. laughs> yes, yes, it's the American versus Canadian farm perspective and stereotypes. Uh, yeah, what's it like up there in Canada? I just assume everybody loves farmers and understands everything and hugs a lot. Is that true? It's true. <laughs> of course, I, yeah, there's a lot of I know it's yeah, true. We, yeah, we, get, we have to keep warm, right? So, I, <laughs> I mean, I agree with so much of what Katie said. I think you know, the, the technology piece. I mean, like I said, I'm a dairy farmer. There are people milking cows with robots. Yeah. There are people milking cows with people who are migrant workers, with people who are sometimes undocumented because that's the workforce that they can get. But there's also that, like Katie said, that aspect of people who are in agriculture, there's only 2% of us feeding or I think in Canada, it's two. I think in the U.S., it's even a little bit less. So there's, if there's 2% of the population feeding you, that means that there are not that many of us who are producing a lot of food. And so that's not an accident. That's not just, like Katie said, you're also not just tossing some seeds on the ground and seeing if it works, right? There's a ton of science and a ton of planning and a ton of thought that goes into every decision that gets made because it's, like Katie said, it's expensive. Your potential to make money is limited. And so you, you really can't afford to make mistakes when there are so many things that are beyond our control, right? We can't, we can't control our animals to them, you know, for the most part, we, we control their environment as much as we can. And we try and feed them well and treat them well. Like she said about chemicals, I mean, like, if our animals are sick, we give them medicine. We have, you know, veterinarians, we have, my, my cows have nutritionists, we have a crop consultant, we have people who test our soil, we have, you know, there's, there's a team of people who support us as farmers to try and make the right decisions so that we can make safe and healthy food and be able to support our families. So, I mean, Katie and her husband both have to work full-time off-farm. My husband and I in Canada, somewhat because of the social systems and somewhat because of 
the economy, we are both able to be home full time on the farm. But that means that our entire business is, well, <laughs> is, you say is part of this at family. Home, right? uh, no one who stays at home isn't working their fucking ass off on some level. But mm -hmm. that in Canada versus the U.S. for it for you it to feel like a gift to be able to, you know, do right. your job of farming, which is a very intense and hard job. Yeah, it's it's more than full time. It's more <laughs> anyway. than full time. Every yeah. farmer's more than full time. If I remember anything from my sweeping stereotypes about farmers, is that you get up very early mm -hmm. and you go to sleep very late. Uh, oh. And there's yes. So I guess as a Canadian farmer, though, my one <laughs> apology sometimes yes. is that it feels that I know there are so many American farmers who at least one of the couple has to work off farm yeah. to get into health insurance. And it's... we are incredibly privileged that that is, that is our probably the deciding factor for the fact that we can yeah. both farm full time is the fact that we don't have to buy health insurance. So I'm going to ask a dumb question because I, I can see Katie that you want to respond to this, but I, I just want to ask a dumb question that I hope will segue beautifully into what you want to say. And that is farming in the United States, where you're providing pretty much all that we're eating. Not pretty much, all of it. All of it, yeah, clearly. Uh, there is no insurance, health insurance program or benefit. You're Because you, you're technically, I guess, freelance. You're working, I mean, whatever. Yourself, yeah, you're self-employed. You're self-employed. So you have to, because we pay for our own insurance because we're both freelance. And it, it's, I mean, like, that sucks. I mean, that sucks for us. But now I'm trying to imagine being somewhere where you're working that much. And I'm very, I'm actually, I'm not that surprised, I guess. Talk, come on, Katie, let me have it. Tell me. In the U.S., I want to say it's less than 3% of farm families make the money that supports their family from the farm at all. Yeah. Like, let alone health insurance and the rest of it. It, The whole thing of a, like Arlene's family, where they, and I'm, I'm so glad that their system is set up this way. I really am. But we've been friends, what, five years, Arlene? Six years? Part of me still cannot believe that they yeah. can go on vacation. Yeah. Because, like, that's not a thing here. Um, and, I mean, obviously people do, but that they can both just farm. And, yeah. I mean, they're busting yeah. their asses. Do not get me wrong. No, no, I, I know. That's yeah. what I mean by, like, <laughs> the language is so tricky to be, like, at home. It's not – that's not a – that's not a thing, but I, I understand yeah. what you're also saying that, you know, that's not a dismissal of any of the work that Arlene is doing. It just simultaneously sucks that, <laughs> you know, Katie, where, where you are, it's like there are even less options. The weird thing is that here, this is totally normal. And yeah, my situation. Yeah is really fortunate because I work remotely for a tech company. So I get really good benefits. I get paid a lot more than anybody else in our <laughs> does yeah. for, you know, for my level of education. 
I have the flexibility to get my kids from school when they need to, you know, things like parent teacher conferences. I can just go to the parent teacher conferences and, you know, we're still working around my husband's job. The fact that I do have to do my job at some point, um, you know, feeding cows, but unlike dairy farmers, like if we're 20 minutes later for feeding, the cows don't, I mean, they're mad, but dairy (laughs) cows start just like dropping over dead. If you change their schedules, like (laughs) sheep will drop over dead because there's a cloud across the sun. Mercury's in retrograde, sheep are dying. Like That's just how sheep are. But dairy cows are like, you're a minute and a half late. I have died already. Yeah. Like, I don't know how people dare deal with dairy cows, um, <laughs> you know, because it's just a whole thing. But yeah, I mean, U.S. farmers, no health insurance, no retirement, no, God love it, short-term or long-term disability coverage, no life insurance, no. And the most dangerous occupation. Yeah. Well, but yeah. aren't you supplying, aren't farmers supplying? No, because they make all the food at the back of the grocery store. And I have had legitimate grown-ass adults Ugh. not understand that the beef that are yeah. in my backyard are the beef that hit their grill. Yeah. It is it's it's the same thing. And a whole nother thing that we have covered in depth on our show, and it just begets more and more frustrating every time we talk about it, is that farming is ranked with logging and deep sea fishing as the most dangerous jobs but we're expected to bring our children to work with us i would never expect someone to go out on a deep sea trawler and be like come on kids out on deck you're four years old you're fine yeah just use a tether yeah Yeah, i wouldn't expect my electrician to bring their kid (laughs) yeah here's a here's a cool hack for keeping your kid on that yeah, boat or right. logging. Yeah, put them in the car seat. Duct tape, they'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, that's, that is, uh, uh, that's hard to stomach. Um, but I, w- I want to say one thing that Katie and I've talked about this too, but yeah. sometimes that expectation of bringing your kids to work with you on the farm yeah. comes from us as an agricultural community too, where there can be judgment, where it's like, oh, you send your kids to daycare. Or, oh, you can even send your kids to school, you know, like, yeah, I, I give props to anyone who homeschools, but to homeschool and farm and, and be able to have your kids around you all the time. I mean, there are lots of ways. And obviously, this is part of what we talk about on the podcast that we want to incorporate our kids into our jobs. And like I said, my teenager, my kids, they all work on the farm. But it's so hard to have that expectation of that they should be there all the time. Like when my kids were little, I didn't, and also this is privilege. I didn't have to wake them up at four in the morning and bring them to the barn with me to milk cows because we were in a place where at that time of our lives, we could hire someone else to milk cows in the morning so that I could be in the house with my kids and not take them with me. But there are other people who don't have that choice. Yeah. But this, don't make this, that choice. this leads to uh my question that i was going to ask which is and it'll sound like i'm kind of joking but it, it's not and that is we all have assumptions about what kids the kids that wind up in our house are going to be like right they're gonna love these things and they're gonna not like these things and it's gonna be so great and then 
and I can mold them into like yeah, unicorns. Yeah, they can mold them. <laughs> so or, they're going to like, yeah. They're just going to, I don't have to mold. They're just going to walk right in. They're going to love it. I mean, yeah. I got a kid who, guys, this will be part of the fail. And since we don't want to spend two hours on me having a full breakdown for the fail, uh, I will share this part. Bad, bad series of uh, school Halloween related events. Me and Ellis, you know, taking him out, us coming home, uh, trying to calm down, pull up a Taylor Swift video because he loves Taylor Swift. And in it, she shoots a stuffed animal right through the throat. Now, <laughs> Ellis is nine. Okay. We all know Ellis is wired. One of his special wirings is this deep empathy for all cannot eat a cookie still that has like, I feel like, do you have a choice between a cookie that looks like a duck or a cookie that looks like, you know, a flower? He's going to go flower because this is cruel and unusual to eat that duck, right? I mean, Stephen and I still are like, I don't even understand, like, what, how do we, it's so hard because you're going to run in to life's cruelties all the time. Now, surprise, you guys have Ellis as a kid. Right. Like, I think there's this assumption that all of the kids you're going to have will just want to be on the farm and love working on the farm. And I have to ask from your own experiences, as well as from the different people you've talked to. I just I just have been around kids too long now to assume that that's not a myth. So what do you do if you I mean, what do you do if your kid? hates what you do or and not you but you know yeah I mean I can talk on that because my kids are a bit older than Katie's like I said my oldest is cow obsessed and wants nothing more than to be involved in agriculture and then I have three boys who are not that way and maybe someday they'll change their minds um but at this point we kind of treat it like household chores in a way where there are certain jobs that need to get done and once my oldest was of the age where she was either going to get a job off the farm or she was going to work for us, we also, privilege, are in a position where if she started to work for us on the farm, then we could pay her. So we treat farm chores when they're young as the expectation of the same as cleaning up the dishes or you know vacuuming once in a while. There are a small number of chores that they do that are the expectation. And say for my 15-year-old, like, we pay for his cell phone. So these are the chores that pay for your cell phone kind of idea. We do try and treat the farm a little bit separately from the house in the sense that it's not, it's, it's also a business and they, they don't have to love it, like you said. Yeah. So he's getting to that point where we're starting to look for a job for him off farm because this isn't his passion. But when he does extra tasks, he fills out hours like any of our employees do, and he gets paid for those extra jobs that he can take on. For the most part, he hasn't pushed back too hard, but if there there are also things that he, he can't do, like he, he struggles with certain things. He's got some coordination issues. He's neurodivergent. And so things like driving are not going to be in his wheelhouse at this point. So even our 12-year-old can do some tasks that our 15-year-old can't. Yeah. But it's kind of, you know, kind of like the job board. Like, do you want some hours? We've got some tasks that can be done. You will get paid for them if you do them. But you know, and obviously on a farm, there are some things that have to happen. Same Wait, as in aren't a they any good I don't at it? Put the gar- I gotta Wait, ask yeah. you because, here, like, I just, 
you know, I got kids. They're all right. They, you know, but like, I'm like, how do you not know how to use a broom? And I feel like somehow I have failed them uh, with, because it seems like a very natural thing to do. Uh, sweep it. Not, not swing it wide like you're painting the side of it. Even painting the side of the barn requires, you know, finesse. But I just uh, had some teenagers from the school volunteering uh, for said school haunted house. And like two fully understood, I think, what responsibility, like telling a kid, I need you to go do X, Y, and Z. And they were able to do it. The rest, I was stunned. I was like, why are you just standing there looking like that? I don't like you. Pick it up. Just pick it up. Right. You yeah. know, and well, I mean, some of the tasks. Right. And there are things on a farm that like you're going to go and scrape down those cows and try yeah. and get their their stalls clean and they're going to shit again in 30 seconds. <laughs> so, you know, there's a threshold, you know, yeah. like you sweep the kitchen floor and I yeah. noticed that you missed something. It might make you to go back, but like you turn around and that cow is going to do the exact same thing again. So the, <laughs> the work is never really done, done and perfection is not the goal. So <laughs> there are, I mean, there are certain tasks obviously where there's a safety factor, like yeah. operating, there's, there's some jobs that they do where they're operating equipment. And some of that is more like if something goes wrong, hit that button and make it yeah. stop, you know, like, so yeah. there are, yes. Yeah, some some jobs are not about perfection and others are more about like having a body there to do a task and making sure Ar it gets done safely. Arlene, just tell me that your children complain about it. Oh, yeah. Okay, thank God. <laughs> thank God. I just needed to hear that. Yeah. That they hate it. They don't hate yeah. it. But you know that they're like, ugh. Yeah, uh, there are days for sure. Okay. And there I feel the same way. When my alarm goes off at 20 after 4, yeah. I don't want to get up and milk cows every morning. Most mornings I don't. Yeah. But, you know, we don't we don't all love our jobs every minute of every day. That's right. <laughs> so, I mean, that's one of the lessons, right? Like, you don't right. have to love it. You just have to do it. So you complain while you're doing it or you can just <laughs> go ahead and do it. I will say, I think that I think farming makes my enjoyment of my town job. It's weird because, like, yeah, I have a town job, but I stay home. It makes it much easier because. It's warm in here. It's yeah. not raining in here. There are no, normally no children in here and nobody is shitting on me in yeah. here because what Arlene missed with the whole like, and then the cow poop 30 seconds later is that that only happens if she waits and doesn't just shit on you. Yeah. yeah. While you're, while you're yeah, you didn't see the signs and it didn't hit you in the back of the head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, cool. There's poop in my mouth. Awesome. Yeah. Like people are... You know, it kind of killed me when I started having kids and I was looking at cloth diapering and people are like, oh. but then how do you get your washing machine clean? Because then there's poop in your washer. And I'm like, mm -hmm. there's something new and different. Poop in this washer. <laughs> there's always poop. poop in my washer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what about uh, your kids, Katie? Are they, I mean, they're six and seven, which is... I mean, they are right smack dab in the middle of opinions uh, and all and but also still like a, a, a reasonable lack of developmental independence. Right. I mean, it's still the uh, that mix. So how are how are how do they like farm life? <laughs> Our kids are either all in uh -huh. or in the house watching the YouTube. 
yeah. you know, there's, there's no in between. Um, our son is the younger one. He's five and a half. And his first word was tractor. We used to wake him up by just spewing out words about farm equipment until he woke up. He makes tractor noises. Um, we had it. to leave a cow show once when he was a baby because he was trying to call the cows that were in a ring and was very disruptive. He will level off a feed bucket and he will tell me my buckets aren't full enough and he will come back with his little scoop and fill it more. He is he's a hard little taskmaster. Um, but awesome. the rest of the time, you know, like last night, I asked him to hang up his coat when he comes home from yeah. school and his he's dropped it like less than a foot from the hook and he comes in and he's throws himself on the floor crying because of the unfairness of being yeah. required to do this oh so i guess at this age my biggest goal is to show them that daddy and i have to do shit we don't like yeah <laughs> don't have to like it sometimes it just has to be done because <laughs> it has yeah. to be done i'm hearing you guys say this you know uh very wise parenting you know uh wisdom of uh sometimes you got to do stuff you don't like uh but it's still got to get done and i think we're we're all trying to do that but it's still really hard that requires i mean the reason i give up sometimes on some things is i have a list of like this is where i'm going to really push the kids and this is because pushing means my energy and time, right? My I will have to remind and do it until it sticks. And then there's other stuff where I'm like, I, you know what? It's not a reflection on this family if you go out and do that. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I'm not it's the whole choosing your battles thing. Choosing right? your battles. Yeah, we can't. But we can't have like, everything. I, but I, I feel like in a situation like you guys have where. I mean, working on a farm is obviously beyond a full-time job, plus kids, plus additional work, plus all the plus, plus, pluses that come. I I gotta imagine it's hard to choose the battles you want to push forward on. I mean, I'm just so tired, guys. And I, I know you're even more tired. Yeah. I, I mean, for, for me, I mean, we've all got ours, right? Like Katie already said, someone cleaning your yeah. house today. My house yeah. mostly just doesn't get cleaned. <laughs> it's, it is the way it is. But it's kind of like, you know, like a bigger version of when people have pets, right? Yeah. Like even when you're doing the bare minimum, if you've got a dog and needs to go outside, if we have 200 cows in the barn, it doesn't matter if I'm sick, if my husband's sick, if our employee calls in and can't make it, if there's a snowstorm, if the power goes out, it doesn't matter how any of us feel we have a responsibility to those animals and that's going to be the priority, whether it's Christmas day or my birthday or whatever, like that's what's going to have to get done. So there's kind of, it is an easy sorting in some ways that you can be like, well, the life <laughs> of our lives and the animals lives come first and then everything else comes second. But then another thing that Katie and I talk about a lot is then that can sometimes turn into the philosophy that we both love and hate of the the farm always comes first yeah and it can be a really both powerful and destructive sentiment when that can be said to people in place of well the farm comes first before your marriage before your nuclear family before your kids you know because the farm is the most important thing 
So we're trying to push back a little bit on that too, because I mean, absolutely the, the health and welfare of my animals comes first, but if the worst were to happen and I had to take my kid to the emergency room or help have a cow, I'm going with my child, right? So we have to be able to also prioritize and understand that, yes, we could work 24 hours a day and the jobs would never get done, but the farm can't always come first because otherwise, if the people on the farm aren't healthy and looking after themselves, then you've, you've got nobody to do the farming. So what's the point? Well, what do you like to well, do for fun? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kitty. I think that, you know, something that we talk a lot about on our show too is about the fact that we hear so much from the, a lot of us also are in that sandwich generation of mm-hmm. aging parents, children. And there's so much pressure about, well, when, when I had kids, I never needed help. We never went to therapy, you know, yada, yada, yada. We didn't take days off. But yeah. if you had to take a kid to the hospital, you were more likely to have a neighbor who could come milk your cows. You know, you had family that lived in the area. You had 11 siblings, most of whom probably still lived in the area and had kids of their own. And, you know, so you had this whole backup system where now, you know, we have some neighbors who milk cows, but they have one kid. And, you know, like there's not that, there's just not the people for that community for having backup for stuff. And it's, it's a lot. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, I think that's every generation before gets to talk about either how much easier yeah. or how much harder yeah, how it things was might have been for better. them, but without the context of the time that they were living in versus now. And, you know, even people who live in the middle of a city have that same issue of isolation of, you know, I, I have no backup. Right. And that, that just sucks. I kind of hate that about the time that we're living in that we don't all, because I think, I think what comes along with that is the fear that any community we may try to build will be the same community that judges us or, you know, like we all tried to get community on the internet and what happened? Suddenly it was like, you don't fucking feed your baby, whatever, right? Like it just, well, my child just fell asleep in a basket. And I, I don't understand yeah. why doesn't your child also how Katie and I met each other. So yeah, yes, sometimes I you know. can find it. Sometimes you, you can can't, find right? your people <laughs> yeah. in there. But I have a, I wonder I, if what keeps us back is that if we start trying to gather and collect this community in real life, that, you know, that there is a risk of, I can turn the internet off if somebody's making me insane, but I need to know that I can trust this person in my community to have my back. And it's it's a lot of work to build that. Yeah. And sometimes farmers can be the ones that judge other farmers the harshest. Right? Yeah, exactly. We've talked a lot, too, about the fact that there's no, like parenting, there's no one right way to parent and right. there's no one right way to farm. Like everybody's got to do it their own way. And there's lots of reasons for why you're doing it different. Like geography and history and economics and your own passions and your education and what supports you have, all that kind of stuff. It's all the same in farming. But but yeah, if you if you let someone else in, then they're like, well, I wouldn't have done it that way. So <sighs> sure, I'll feed your sheep tonight, but I think you should, <laughs> you should yeah. do it a different way. Stick around. We're going to come right back 
and we're going to do some genius and fail or cussing and discussing, however we want, whatever we want to call it in this particular show. Stick around. We'll be right back. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Bombas. Jingle, jingle, jangle, jangle. When you give Bombas this holiday, you're giving more, more comfort because their socks, underwear, t-shirts, and slippers are made with such sturdy, soft materials. And you're also giving more good because for every item you purchase, they donate another to someone who needs it. I love Bombas products. I am in Bomba socks as we speak. Plus, Bombas has beautifully designed, ready-to-go gift boxes, which are so much fun. So this holiday season, give comfort and give care. Go to bombas.com slash badmother and use code badmother for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash badmother and use code badmother at checkout. What is up, people of the world? Do you have an argument that you keep having with your friends and you just can't seem to settle it? And you're sitting there arguing about whether it's Star Trek or Star Wars, or you can't decide what is the best nut, or can't agree on what is the best cheese. Stop doing that. Listen to We Got This with Mark and Hal, only on Max Fun. Your topics asked and answered objectively, definitively, for all time. So don't worry, everybody. We, we got, got this. this. We got this. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius, fail time, my friends. Uh, I am going to start with my genius, and I'm going to try and lead by example that we should keep these tight, which means 40 minutes from now, I'll be done. And that is, I had a, I had a real bad uh, week last week. I mean, it was, and we'll get into that with the fail some, but it was rough uh, with Ellis and it ripped open uh, the grief. I've been not really letting out with the passing of my mom and like, just, I mean, I was about as broken as I've been in a long time. And I finally did that thing we're always talking about. I went and checked myself into a hotel for two days. I would have only done one. That's who I am. Just When one. you said checked yourself in, I was like, ooh, where's she I know. going? Oh, trust me. I know. <laughs> Don't think I wasn't. Somewhere. I could have also done that. That might have been more helpful than just... A hotel was the first step. That's good. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Hotel, first step. Uh, and giving myself the two days as opposed to the one. And I appreciate that Stefan supported this and that my children actually, if this had been five years ago, I wouldn't have been able to do it. But like, even Ellis was like, yeah, you were a little stressed out. I'll give you the one day. I'll yeah, give you the right. one day. And then I, said, yeah, I did the yeah, two one days. One day, two I, nights. Yeah. Yeah. One day, two nights. And I come back and Ellis is like, my bucket is so full because you were gone. And I was like, oh, fuck, that didn't work. But the genius is. I really needed it and it really helped and I'm not going to be able to do it often or ever again, possibly, but I needed it and I did it. 
Wow. Oh my God. Oh my God. I saw what you did. Oh my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh my God. That's fucking genius. All right. So let's start. Arlene, do you have a genius? I do. And when Katie came to visit me here in Canada the one time, she actually took a picture of it to bring to her own house. So I know it's a, that she likes this genius. So like I said, I've got four kids and the kitchen table is the first thing that everyone sees when they walk in the house and everything gets dropped there. Yep. All of the treasures and trinkets and all the most valuable things in anyone's life end up on the kitchen table and then we need to eat eventually and you have to move them off. So I bought one of those cheap sets of plastic drawers that you can get wherever, Walmart, or if you're in a country that still has Target, you can get it there. So those, a, a set of four plastic drawers, put each kid's name on it. And when the stuff comes into the house, I can open the drawer and toss their bits of things in, the stuff from the loot bags, the whatever, their yeah. coins that I know are theirs, goes into their drawer. And then when they come to me and say, where's my thing? I can say, look in your drawer. Oh. And when the drawer gets full to the top, then I pull it out and I hand it to them and say, get rid of some of this stuff or bring it up to your room and hide it up there. But it needs to leave the kitchen. But it's one spot to put all the most valuable things. Now, mine is, is spread everywhere in the house, but there's yeah, sure. in the drawers. But yeah. You need to the keep house room is mine. for your stuff. Your stuff, yeah. you need the room and deserve it. Yeah. That, that is genius. That is very good. Very good. Genius. And I like, I like that Katie took a picture of it. And I hope that Katie's genius is just putting the picture up, but not doing anything else. Just putting <laughs> yeah. that picture up. She doesn't have the drawers, but she, she knows she have could. the drawers, but Someday. the picture is yeah. there. Uh, I do right. have the drawers, but I missed that step about what you do when the drawer is full. So my <laughs> husband has filled two drawers and now just nobody uses it because he's not supposed to have a drawer at all. He can't open or close his drawers anymore. <laughs> he's the one who leaves the stuff on the table. Oh, Sorry, honey. Okay. Sorry. Ooh, all right. Katie, lay it on me. So we live about 20 miles each way from a grocery store bigger than a, than a gas station. You know, so if you want to. Yeah buy actual groceries you have to like think and plan and do all the shit that i don't do because it's not who i am and somehow during my pregnancies my brain just broke and i started stockpiling with my daughter i ended up with i think <laughs> nine jars of strawberry jam because every time i went to the store it's like what if we're out of straw i better get yeah some i don't know if we do but i should get it <laughs> it's not like we eat a freakish amount of strawberry jam i don't know i think we just finished the last one like a couple months ago and she's seven right yeah with my son it was the pre-minced garlic which i know is gross but it's fast whatever yeah it's genius and now i have these kids who my son i actually caught him drinking ranch dressing out of the bottle the other day like just oh, yeah. in front of company yeah. just backing ah! it down like <laughs> whatever yeah so i now buy ranch dressing like six and eight bottles at a time because yeah. you run out of ranch it's it's not doing a line of shots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How yeah. else will you get your ranch fill for the day if you're not drinking it? We're Midwesterners, whatever, I man. Love it. So my genius now, when I buy a shitload of something, you know, I line them up front to back in the pantry. Mm -hmm. And on that last one, I write, this is the last one. <laughs> and on the gallon of milk, because I buy milk like three and four gallons at a time, yeah. I write last one, because then... I know that there's not eight more bottles in the pantry yeah. or in the back of the fridge or whatever. And I know. And then I can just 
remember to buy the damn ranch because oh otherwise god. i'm like oh god i just bought like a case of ranch there's no way we're out of it already <laughs> and then i make the chicken nuggets and then there's no ranch and then all hell breaks loose well then you find oh. all the ranch bottles under your kid's bed because they are <laughs> there's some hidden in the bathroom okay there are multiple things i'm, I'm just about picturing this. he's going to be that teenager who instead of pouring under his mattress is just yeah, going to be ranch just ranch, just ranch dressing <laughs> Just ranch. Okay, I love. I really just want to, all of us to take a minute to appreciate this. That there's a kid opening the fridge and just pouring ranch dressing down their throat, like they're trying to get into a fraternity. Now that <laughs> he was is... at the table in front of company, which yes! might be the one thing. Oh, thankfully, it, it was company of other little kids who were, you know, just yeah, they impressed. were impressed, and yeah, they wanted their own bottle. I love this. I love this. All right. Failures. Fail. 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 You suck. So, like I said, uh, really long bad weekend. It was uh, the Halloween event at the school, which is my favorite thing to do. Stefan and I love Halloween. I love running that event. The people who help uh, put it together are so creative and so awesome. And it's just such a love project for one night of epic proportion that's all gone the next day. And uh, usually I, I'm i also working in it, like, whoa, welcome to the boo, right? Uh, and Katie Bell and Ellis have both been in it at times and Stefan has been in it, but usually Stefan's out with Ellis. This time we were all working in it. Um, Ellis was in it for a little while, but when they left, there was not a parent out there. Even those huge school event, one thing we have learned very much about how Ellis's brain works, at least at this moment, is uh, Ellis's, Ellis can't connect with other kids like in a free, like if, oh, the class went to the park. That's a disaster because Ellis can't just go up and start he needs that structure. And so not only had he been like in the haunted house in a cage, uh, apparently he started to, he always likes to be in the cage, everybody. He, okay. I, I he, like that. He, he wanted, wanted to. to be he's like, ah, let me out of there. not a baby in a cage. That yes, he was likes there. it. Yeah. Not just yeah. where we keep kids. Uh, he apparently had a leg cramp, but there were no adults in that scene. And so he like felt really alone. And then he went outside. Like I had a parent come up to me and say, Ellis is trying to find you. I am in the middle of trying to like talk to kids who are about to come through. It's I'm very all over the place. I finally get to Ellis. He starts crying. And like we have, we're like up on the second floor of the school, just like hiding, like talking. It's been horrible. The whole thing's horrible. Halloween is horrible. I don't ever want to do Halloween again. He's crying. I'm crying. At this point, we're both weeping. I'm like, I'm going to just take you home. We're out of here. Fuck this. But of course, can't find the keys because Stefan had the keys and they're in his bag. But I've got to find the bag in the middle of a like all black with strobe light room and people walking through and screaming and I'm still crying. Ellis is still crying. Why can't we get out of here? Why can't we get out? Like I'm trying. And I was trying to get out. This is the worst haunted house ever. And they never leave. I know. And people are like, biz, what are we supposed to do about this? And I'm like, I'm not trying to get out of here. 
we get out. We finally get in the car. We start heading home. I'm like, let's just go to Vons with the grocery store. We're going to get a big bag of candy. We're going to chill out, have some candy, and just go to bed. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I've ruined everything. I was all alone. You guys left me. I know I'm a horrible mother. And then uh, we get the candy. He's got to use the bathroom. So he goes into the bathroom at the grocery store, comes out and says, somebody has written fuck on the wall. And it's really upsetting to me. And I was like, so that just folded into the whole upset. We get home. We have some candy. It's just fucking brushing teeth. And as I said, brushing teeth, watching Look What You Made Me Do by Taylor Swift. And that is when she shoots that stuffed animal through the neck. Ellis begins to howl as if he has just watched, you know, uh, somebody he loves very much die. So there's just so much screaming right on me. And like things are being thrown. I'm screaming. We're all screaming. By the time I get him in bed and Stefan and Katie Bell come home, I can't even talk to them. I'm just like crying. <laughs> just like <laughs> just crying and so sad and I feel so responsible because I know who my kid is and we left that child out there and I really I I understand that and I do also absolve myself of some too but I mean it was it was the biggest shit show that I have found myself in in a lot and on top of that like I said it just ripped open this grief like box that I clearly sealed up and crammed down uh so there you go. My fail was trying to enjoy something that I really loved and ignoring my child's needs and squashing my grief. Ta-da! Wow. I know we're supposed to say that you suck, but I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. It's okay. That sucks. But it, it, it sucked. It, it just was like, it did suck. All right. Top that, uh, Arlene. (laughs) Well, mine is not as epic. Mine's more of a long, like a, is yeah. a, a long-standing fail, so 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 less impressive in the short term, but it, it's kind of of the haggard and broken variety. So, like I said, my kids are stretched out timeline-wise, so I have a 17 down to an eight-year-old, and I feel like the pandemic contributed to it. But I've run out of bucks, I guess. Yeah, I. I'm the parent that I would have judged before, you know, where they talk about, you know, like my first child went to kindergarten and only ever watched Dora and yeah. <laughs> children's programming and was the sweetest little thing. And then by the time my last child came around, it was like, oh, he's going to kindergarten and I think he's already watched all the Marvel movies Yeah, and is playing Fortnite with his older brother. And And even like the Fortnite thing, like I had held off for so long with because my daughter didn't want to play it, but the next child did. And I'd held off till he was probably 12 or 13, which was older than most of his friends. But I was like, it's a shooting game. We don't need it, blah, blah, blah. But then when I finally relented and let him have it, then he was so excited about it. And he wanted to teach his younger brothers how to play. And then it's like, oh, well, it's a bonding experience. It's something I can do together. So then I've got this precious little child playing Fortnite with his teenage brother, which is great in terms of fostering relationships. But then I'm like, ugh. I have a little kid who's playing Fortnite, which I, I mean, I'm fine with it now, but then it's all like both the, the self-doubt and then like the parents, the ones who have the firstborn the same age as him, they're going to be judging me now <laughs> because they haven't dropped their standards yet. So it's, it's the low bar, right? It just keeps dropping with every kid. Very yeah. right. Just yeah. keep it. Yeah. Well, low. It, you just keep dropping it lower all the time. Well, congratulations. 
uh, that as the youngest in my family, uh, you are going to ruin them. Perfect. You're, you've done a really good job. They probably, I mean, I'm clearly a broken in half from all of the violent things I watched. <laughs> I was like watching nine to five too early, <laughs> yeah. you know, which uh, I'm pretty sure made me who I am right here. Um, I'm going to shoot you with one shot. I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen. Anyway, you may have watched it uh, I love Dolly. Well, you're doing you. a horrible job. I appreciate that. Trying to live up to whatever insane standards yeah. you set for yourself. 17 years ago. 17 yeah. years ago. Yeah. The times have changed. <laughs> yes, they have. All right. Lay it on me. Kate. So I have made the fail of feeling good about myself at parent-teacher conferences. We had parent-teacher conferences. Our daughter's conference, her teacher's like, she's the best. She's so sweet. She can read. She can do math. She's kind to her friends. She's creative. I'm like, yes. You know, she's got a little bit of stuff to work on so I don't feel, like, obnoxiously good. I, God damn, we're good parents. We go into our sons, and it's all, he's so great at math. He's such a good friend. And then his teacher says something about his pants keep falling off. Like, yeah, this has been a problem since birth, lady. I, I don't know if it's that child's like butt slope or what, but seriously, unless we put him in overalls every day and then he can't go pee by himself, then he has to have, they can't have help going to the bathroom. They got to be able to do it by themselves. There's no way to keep a pair of pants on that child. You know, I got him cinched all the way up. I bought him a belt, I, you know, sweatpants, jeans, doesn't matter. They fall off. And when they fall off, they take his undies with them because that's how undies work. <laughs> And I'm I'm trying to explain this to her. Like she's seen everything I put him in. Like everybody knows that yeah. I'm not just like, meh, whatever. You know, <laughs> like I'm trying. But then she says, Yeah, even at kindergarten roundup, you know, before he's even in her class. Apparently his pants fell down at kindergarten roundup. Excellent. And so when she saw he was assigned to her class, she said, Yeah, I went home and I told my husband, I said, You remember that kid whose butt was out at kindergarten roundup? He's in my class. <laughs> no! That's memorable. <laughs> oh, he's getting a reputation. It's a really small school, and my baby is <laughs> going to be that kid with his butt out at kindergarten roundup forever. Oh, they could make him very popular. It's going to be very popular one day. I gotta at tell least you, so far, it's accidental. He's not mooning people out on yeah. purpose. Like that's a different conversation. Well, so this is the thing too. We get an email home from daycare that there was a butt out on the playground at daycare. I'm like, oh. Fuck's sake. So I for a butt out. Right. I emailed the director and she goes, Oh no, everybody's seen your kid's butt. It was a kid who did it on purpose. <laughs> that was an intentional butt. You know what? I gotta tell you, that the, there's a hidden genius in this fail, and that is that bar has been set for this child. And now you could just like go into the parent teacher and be like, let's we don't have one need to talk about it. I know you're all talking amongst yourselves. In fact, you guys have probably made t-shirts about my kid. Uh, or there's like a betting pool. So you think I could make her a t-shirt about my kid for Christmas maybe and just <laughs> lean into it? Maybe that's yeah. the problem. Oh, oh crocheted yeah, I butt. Said, you know I love yeah. that. Yeah, just a crocheted butt. That's right. You know, Ellis's pants still fall down. Ellis could never keep a pair of pants up ever. So he like ran and he still, when he runs, 
holds the back of his pants. And he, he just has no butt. So I totally understand it. And I, we eventually got some suspenders thinking that that was genius because you could just take the suspenders off. But that that just got ignored immediately. They, they're still floating around somewhere. It was not a valuable solution. Oh, so, well. Good thing. Yeah. Good thing yeah. is he's yeah. got a cute butt. No, you're doing like, a horrible... I mean, it, at least he's not I, old enough to have like I was a hairy say that. butt. Yeah. I mean, he's five. You know, yeah. his butt's still cute. I, but. It would have... It would have been weird if I had said at least he <laughs> you has don't a know that for I'm sure. Glad you said it. Because I don't know. Oh, thank yeah. God. See, that's you should make the t-shirt and say cheeky. Just <laughs> <laughs> cheeky. I know he's cheeky. Well, wow, you're doing a horrible job. Uh keeping pants on your child when he's not around you in person. How could you let that happen? All right. Uh Katie and Arlene, I am so glad you guys came on this. As always, this was fun, and we went on too long. You're welcome, Valerie. Uh, I appreciate, I, I love the podcast. I appreciate that you guys put that podcast out there, Barnyard Language, uh, because it it's some of the good stuff that's out there about sharing how people have different experiences. It's not a, my experience is different, so go to hell, right? It, you know, it's it's not that. It's, this is our experience talking to other people. And I think it's just such a way for uh, all of us to better understand each other and people who live in our country, maybe not right next door. Um, and they live in Canada where a big takeaway is health insurance works great uh, when you let people have it. <laughs> one less thing so thank you both for coming on we'll link everybody up to where they can find i think you find a podcast but we'll make it easy thank you so much and like we alluded to katie and i met because of one bad mother we're part of the online community and we just love what you and Teresa have built and what continues to exist there so we wouldn't have met each other and we wouldn't have a podcast if it wasn't for obm so thank you for the community that you've created and Hopefully we're creating a, a little tiny community that's somewhat similar um, for farmers. And our target audience is farmers because we're talking about parenting and farming, but it's for anybody. If, yeah, if you're curious about who is growing your food, how it's getting to your table, and we also have parenting experts on who talk about all the, all the things you want to know about parenting too. So it's for anybody who's curious about food. All right. We will see you later. Thank you so much. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Thank you. You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you. I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Factor. This holiday season, make things easier and more convenient with meals to keep you energized on jam-packed days from Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal service. Look, it's the holidays. Everybody knows it is very stressful. Who needs the additional stress of trying to meal plan every single meal that you and your family need to eat? 
So when you are too busy running around to plan lunch, Factor has you covered with lunch to go. They're effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls and salad toppers that are ready to eat when you are. No microwave required. Plus, they have amazing gourmet options prepared to perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Head to factormeals.com badmother50 and use code badmother50 to get 50% off. That's code badmother50 at factormeals.com badmother50 to get 50% off. Hey, Sydney, you're a physician and the co-host of Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine, right? That's true, Justin. Is it true that our medical history podcast is just as good as a visit to your primary care physician? No, Justin, that is absolutely not true. Uh, However, our podcast is funny and interesting and a great way to learn about the medical misdeeds of the past, as well as some current not so legit healthcare fads. So you're saying that by listening to our podcast, people will feel better. Sure. And isn't that the same reason that you go to the doctor? Well, uh, you could say that. And our podcast is free? Yes, it is free. You heard it here first, folks. Sawbones, Meryl Tour of Misguided Medicine right here on Maximum Fun. Just as good as going to the doctor. No, no, no. Still not just as good as going to the doctor, but but pretty good. It's up there. All right, everybody. It is time to listen to a mom have a breakdown. Hi, ladies. This is a rant. Where are all the mothers out there that just support one another? Where are the moms that don't take it personally when you share something that you're proud of and don't try and tear you down for doing that thing. The other day I was explaining to a mother how I was so proud of myself because I finally got my daughter to eat different types of food and I had tried through, you know, months and months of trying different things. And her response was, you should have tried this years ago. It wasn't great job. It wasn't you're doing a great job. It wasn't, wow, you should be so proud of yourself figuring out. It was, well, yeah, you just did something wrong by not doing it early. What is that? Why are there not one bad mother listeners everywhere that just prop us up all the time, that are just making us feel better about ourselves? I'm so sick of these moms that just try and tear us down for no reason. I would never say something like that to another mom. So I just, I really just don't get it. (sighs) Anyway, I am doing a great job. I did a great job with my daughter. And you're all doing a great job too. Thanks. You are doing a great job. You're doing a wonderful job. Sometimes people are just jerks, right? Like, I mean, and I'm going to, I agree with you. It feels good to be seen with any action that required effort or work and was a big deal in your home, all right? Getting your kid to try different stuff, that actually is a lot of work. uh, And not everybody's kid is ready to do. My kid has never, second child, new things, no way. We are, I mean, it's more about shedding the things we got that kid to eat. I'm like, what do you mean? You don't eat peanut butter anymore. Well, you don't eat protein. So it is, it's so disappointing when you go and you share it with somebody. And we talked about this earlier. You're trying to build community. You're trying to build, you know, a a network of support and to get met with, you should have done that a long time ago. I mean, it's just not a helpful comment. And 
I would love to give this person the benefit of the doubt that sometimes we just don't know how to respond to other people. (laughs) I mean, we all have stuff that just pours out of our mouth that is not helpful. And I know that for me, being able to check myself before I wreck myself, as it were, has required a lot of practice. It is a skill, I think, for us to remember to just celebrate the person in front of us for what they're doing or saying to really see them and to not take it as a reflection on us or to not say something totally unhelpful. <laughs> it's it, That's a skill. That doesn't help you when you are the person on the receiving end of somebody who has not learned those skills yet, okay? It would be great if we could all be out there just seeing each other and not stepping in it. So, you know, I hope that all of us can give each other the grace and second chances. And I say all that separate from the fact that I see you. In fact, I may have just done the very thing I just said we should all be better about doing by not just jumping up and down and saying congratulations and good job, because that's what you're doing. A remarkably good job. And the hotline is here for us to call sometimes and just grumble (laughs) about the world not being quite the way we want it to be. So I'm going to keep trying to learn. And my first step is to say, I see you and you are doing a good job. Everybody, you are all doing a good job. This is not easy at all. We're all very tired. We all are trying our best. What do we say? We're getting up and we're doing it. And then we go to bed and we wake up and we do it again. Yay, doing it. Honk, honk. Honk if you're doing it. I see you. I'm honking at you. Everybody, let's just remember that that bar is very comfortable when it's that low. And I will talk to you next week. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Fun, our producer, Gabe Mara, my husband, Stephen Lawrence, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things. And of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Well, Daddy, baby, bustin' by, not low down mama blues. Oh, said Daddy, baby, bustin' by, not low down mama blues. Maximum Fun. A worker-owned network. Of artist-owned shows. Supported. Directly. By you.